welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. In today's episode, we are going to explore new media. What is it? What different forms does it take? And why is it important, particularly for lawyers? And what are some tips for lawyers, both young and seasoned, for how they can make the most of this powerful set of platforms? Joining me in this conversation is Doug Sandler. Doug has over 30 years of business experience as an entrepreneur, business owner, manager, and staff member. His book, Nice Guys Finish First, which I just ordered on Amazon, by the way, Doug, Mm. is a number one ranked Amazon bestseller. He specializes in making connections, building relationships, and strengthening bonds both inside and outside of organization. But don't let the Mr. Nice Guy tag fool you. Doug has entered into many high-level negotiations and is anything but a pushover. His speaking and consulting business is geared towards improving relationships and winning business through his time-tested sales, service, and relationship-building system. Doug is a nationally recognized speaker and writer for Huffington Post. His weekly posts reach over hundreds of thousands of readers. Doug has also been titled by a leading social media marketing company in the top 100 of social media thought influencers to follow. Doug has an amazing podcast, which he co-hosts with Strickland Bonner, which is called Nice Guys on Business. This podcast is now 500 episodes and over a million downloads strong. Doug is incredibly accomplished and impressive. And I am honored to not only call him the executive producer of my podcast, he is also my good friend. And now after reading through your bio, Doug, I feel incredibly, um, I don't know, under-accomplished and I feel underwhelmed by myself. <laughs> hold up, hold up. My, first of all, let's discuss this. My mom wrote that bio, so we're good shape there. That's number Get one. Get out. No, she did it. <laughs> Secondly, saying that you ordered my book after the interview has already concluded because you haven't gotten it yet is kind of like saying, I joined Weight Watchers and my first action item is going to Cinnabons. <laughs> <laughs> So what the hell, Tina? (laughs) Hey, we've been working together for a number of months now. So I feel like everything that I need to know you've imparted to me through our conversations and our meetings. Well, now I feel a little bit fortunate because I'm wearing my pajamas as I'm doing this interview. So now I feel like I've come full circle. Now I'm ready to go. I'm here. I'm excited to be here. And I love your show, Tina. You definitely have made a paradigm shift. And I love that. So I appreciate being here on the show. And I'm, I'm ready to roll. And that joke about my mom doing my bio, that's uh, 100% true. So. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> no wonder we read so well. And saying hi to your mom right now. Hi, mommy. Don't worry, I'll get you some matzo ball soup when we're done. Oh, yeah, we we have to tell that story too. (laughs) That will be a great story to tell, so we're good. Yes, we will share that in due time, my friend. So, Doug, why don't we kick things off by sharing a bit about your background, like how you got your professional career started and how you came to do what you do for a living today. Sure. Well, I've spent the last 30 years of my life, believe it or not, as a bar mitzvah DJ and been doing that since my mid-20s actually a little bit earlier than my mid-20s, but since 1984, I started. And about six or seven years ago, I think close to seven years ago now, sat down with my financial planner to decide what is that next phase in my life going to be? Because after 30 years of being a bar mitzvah MC, a guy running the parties and, and the dance floor filled with, with kids and, and adults for that matter, 
I decided that I don't know that I want to be a guy doing the cha-cha slide and the Cupid shuffle until I'm, I'm in my mid-60s. So I'm like, what is it? Why not? That would be a great movie, Doug. It, it would be a great, and it probably has been a great movie somewhere. <laughs> After over 2,000 bar and bat mitzvahs later, I just said, there's got to be something that I can do to help other people to get to the next level in running their business because I had a lot of good business experience. I ran a company. We did anywhere between... 700,000 and a million and a half dollars every year for the last 30 years. And it's like, okay, there's got to be something that I can do that's going to be that's going to be a little different, a little better. So my financial planner said, be on the lookout for an opportunity. So in March of 2000, and I guess it was 2012 or 13, I can't remember the exact year. But in March of that year, uh, when we made that plan, I had seen a guy, his name is Ryan Estes speaking from stage in Chicago, of all places. And He was, he was on stage, and I don't even remember what the message was, but the way that he was presenting it. And I said to myself, I can do that. I can be that guy up on stage. I ran up to him at the end of his presentation, and I said, hey, Ryan, how can I do what you've, you've done? And he said, well, you have to hire a speaking coach. So I saw myself within a few weeks hiring his speaking coach. Her name is Jane Atkinson. She said I needed to write a book, that book that you have now read or going to read. I'm going to read. <laughs> yep. So I needed to write a book. And not only did I have to write a book, but I had to write a best-selling book. So for me, that was like a challenge because I had a tough time just writing love notes to my wife at the time. And, and it was, you know, writing any more than one or two sentences was challenging, but I, I worked it out. It was 10 pages a week for 20 weeks. The book came out and I discovered through that process, it wasn't just that writing a book is about writing talent. It's about marketing talent as well. And so what I've discovered through this entire process in marketing was the best way in this new media space to market, new media being blogging, emailing, podcasting, social media. The best way to do that is just to get yourself completely immersed in it. So we started a podcast. I started a podcast with my friend Strickland. I said, hey, Strick, do you want to start a podcast? He says, I'd love to. I just have one question. I said, what? He said, well, what's a podcast? Boy, that's a promising start. That is a really promising start. Three and a half years later, I think your numbers were slightly off because my website is probably slightly off. We're now at episode, close to episode 700. Get out, really? Wow, you need to update your website. I know, I know. Close to 2 million downloads at this point. And this year, we're going to have a mid-six-figure business in podcast production. Next year in 2019, our goal is to have a seven-figure income from our podcast production business, proving that you can use this new media space to your advantage. You can make a very healthy living at podcasting and and love it. And that's exactly where I am. So that is, in a nutshell, the entire story about DJ to podcast talent. Well, that's a terrific story. And just to give our listeners some context, so you and I met a number of months ago when I had been hearing enough from folks over the past several years about this column that I'd started writing 10 years ago or so called Paradigm Shift. And I had been given some thought to potentially converting that and leveraging that thought leadership into a podcast, which you have been so amazing as a business colleague, as well as a friend in helping me take my dream which some would say was a pipe dream and making that into a reality. And so, well, let me, can I just interrupt you for one quick second? Because anybody can have a dream, but if you don't put action behind it, it remains just a dream. And so uh, what I would say to you is I want you to give yourself a huge amount of credit because you deserve the credit. Many, many, many people come to me and say, oh, I always wanted to write a book. It's my dream to write a book. And I gently say to them, yeah, it was my dream too, but, but I, (laughs) but I did. But you, but you made it into reality. Right. By taking action steps, 10 pages a day for 20 weeks, 200 pages, edited down to 165. 
you know, I want to become a bestseller. Okay, yeah, I, that's a dream. Yeah, but you have to put the action items. You have to send out emails. You have to market. You have to be on social media. You have to engage. You have to create interviews on an, in the, your new media space. Without that action, a dream is just that. It is a dream and it will never become reality. So what I would say to you is that all of those things that are your pipe dreams in your eyes, in your world, unless you put action behind them, they're going to stay that way. And you should take the credit for putting together this amazing podcast. It feels like it's going, I'm sure, so much slower and sometimes backwards from where you started. But look at how much you've accomplished in the last couple of months and be proud of what you've done. It's so amazing. I know you are proud, but I'm telling you to be proud also because you should be. It's a hard thing to accomplish. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I think that your advice is great for our audience that you know, you too can do this. And what we're going to explore in our chat today is why lawyers who might say, you know, podcasting, that's pretty cool. Those blogs I see out there, those are pretty neat. Why lawyers, I mean, in all business professionals, but obviously we talk a lot about lawyers on this show and giving them different ideas about how to explore different facets of their professional experience and how to leverage their talents into improving their business, for example. But why should lawyers, I mean, I hate to share my story, but from your frame of reference of having launched your own podcast and now being a consultant that helps people make their podcasts reality, why should lawyers be thinking about either podcasting or leveraging the other facets of new media that are currently out there? Well, if for no other reason other than just diversification of income, I would tell you that that would be a great reason why. You know, whether you work for a big law firm and you're an attorney or partner or an associate within that law firm, or you own your own practice and you're looking for ways to expand your business, the best way to do that is to embrace what is now. If you're going to just put your head in the sand and ignore the fact that the new media space, again, blogging, email campaigns, uh, social media, podcasting, YouTubing, if you're going to ignore the fact that this space can put you in the spotlight quickly, then you don't deserve to be able to expand your business with it. I'm telling you, if you embrace this through no other reason other than the idea of diversifying your income, then you'll be in a winning, a winning track. And so I would tell everybody that's listening to this, whether you start your own podcast, whether you use a professional podcast production company, or whether you just get on social media and start doing something. It is important. I mean, if you're listening to this, you already understand the power of the new media space. You're listening to educational programming. Your car becomes your university on wheels. You understand the engagement between podcast host and you as the listener. You're tuning into this show multiple times. You know that Tina does a kick-ass job at, at presenting. So that's why you're here again and again and again. You want to hear the knowledge that she's able to share with you. And you're hoping that you can pull away some information. You're not just trying to kill time. Why would you be doing that? You're getting an education from either the guests that are on the show or from the hosts themselves. So put yourself in the role as a host of a podcast itself. And what knowledge do you have that you can impart to the, the audience or the listeners, even a small group? I look at it this way. If you can fill a room with 25 or 50 people every time you open up a microphone, how great a marketing program is that? 25 or 50 people. You don't need millions of downloads. You could have 20, 30, 40, 100 people listen to your show every episode, and you're going to be in a really good position because at some point, they're going to need what you are offering, and you're going to have this body of content, this evergreen content that they can use to their advantage. So that's why I would say that it's important for, for an attorney to take advantage of the new media space. That's really good information. You know, and I, I just sort of think back, you know, over my 25-year career and think about different ways that I was taught to try to differentiate myself and to market 
myself from a business development perspective. And I know that, that we have a multi-generational audience. And one of the things I'm sure they're asking is, well, why can't I just write articles? Or why can't I just do a speaking gig once or twice a year at a particular conference or trade association gathering. You know, do you want to comment on why things are different now and why those sorts of traditional ways to get your name out there may not really be all that successful or seen anymore? Well, noise. I mean, there is so much noise out there with the new media space being as crowded as it is. You need to be consistently presenting your message over and over and over again. Uh, you know, if you think that you can write one letter to Oprah and discover that you're going to be on her show and get rich and famous, I mean, that's just a pipe dream. That's not actually going to happen. <laughs> one. Hey, Doug, that was my dream. You're totally dismissing my dream. Oh, okay. Well, I, if it was your dream and you wrote one letter, one email, and you didn't get a response, then you kind of say, oh, man, I, that crushed my dream. You know, you have to start somewhere. Why start with Oprah? I mean, you certainly can start with Oprah, but if that doesn't come to reality, how about all of the other things that that lead up to Oprah? The reason that you have to do something other than send out an email campaign. Oh, well, that didn't work. Or to present at a chamber of commerce meeting. Oh, well, that didn't work. It's because you need to be consistent about everything. One email, one podcast, one blog, one post uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah, maybe it will go viral, but the chances are very good that it won't. So consistently present your message over and over and over and over again. Engage your followers, your listeners, the people that are in your community over and over again. Be perceived as the expert in the space. You know, I don't feel like I'm an expert in anything. However, I have done interviews on my show 650 times. You better believe that I've built a really cool network of people that are in my inner circle. Now, not all 650 people are, but I bet I have over 100 people that I could call on tomorrow and say, hey, could you do me a favor? Could you get Tina Martini on your podcast? Or could you do me a favor? Or can I do you a favor? Can I help you? The more you help, people, the more that they help you in return. And I have helped a lot of people over the last several years to become influencers in their space. And they take me with them everywhere they go. I mean, maybe not physically, but mentally, I'm in their inner circle also. So they want to help me because that's how this new media space works. The more that you do for people, the more people do for you. And that's why I would say consistency is critical as opposed to just doing a, a one-off blog or post. And you know, that's, it's kind of challenging. If you want to write a weekly, I mean, you've done it. Yeah. How was it for you that you, you changed over to the podcasting space from writing your blog and then going onto your radio show? I mean, how has podcast changed as opposed to your blog? Is it that you feel like there's more momentum in your podcast or your blog or where do you feel like you are? You know, that's a really great question. So I, I have the columns. So my media experience, I'll take 30 seconds to just sort of explain to mm -hmm. listeners mm -hmm. how I, how this all evolved for me. So about eight years ago, my husband and I started writing a, a column for the Chicago Lawyer Magazine called Inside Out, which is about in-house counsel and private practice lawyer perspectives on various issues that impact the law. And it's really more about the business of law than it is about any particular cases. And so that column has been very popular and we continue to write that on a regular basis as columnists. And then I started writing my paradigm shift column for the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin about a year or two after that. And that was sort of the inspiration for the podcast that everyone's listening to today. Mm -hmm. I then started last summer as a co-host of the legal podcast slash radio show called Legal Face Off on WGN Radio. Rich Lankoff, my co-host, and I do twice a month. 
And so it was really that third experience that made me start to think, is there a way for me to take my thought leadership and leverage it into the podcasting space? Because while I have a really robust LinkedIn network and I've met some really interesting people through Twitter and LinkedIn by primarily the mutual exchange of thought leadership, I really was starting to think, is there an audience beyond Chicago? And granted, LinkedIn is international. And I know that there are people internationally who are reading my thought leadership and who are exchanging their thought leadership as well. But I, I really started to think, is there a more powerful medium through which I can share my thought leadership to try to get the message out there and to really continue a discussion right. about how the business of law has evolved because that's really my passion is is the topic of business of law and so and i've always wanted to be a reporter you know since i was a little girl i used to walk around with a tape recorder and interviewing people and stuff like that so it took like 35 plus years for me to realize that dream but this is my you know my 40 plus year old version of you know going around the tape recorder and interviewing anybody i i came upon in in my travels as an 8 year old so <laughs> great about that is you've taken this this childhood passion and you've developed it into a an adult reality and what's great about this adult side of it is that it's actually helping build your business even though you may not feel like today you are where you want to be with your podcast maybe you do maybe most people are always feeling like wow i wish this would move a little bit faster or grow a little bit bigger you've planted the seeds over the last several months and how many interviews have you done over the last several months I mean, I would say I've done like half a dozen. Yeah, the half a dozen interviews that you've done, you're starting to plant the right seeds so that you will, that those seeds will grow into something else and something bigger. And you never know where the connections that you're going to make from your podcast, if you work them. Now you could, you could just bring people on your show and then just drop them and, and not drop them, but not follow up with them, not do anything with them. And that's exactly what will happen with your, your podcast space. It won't go anywhere. But if you stay engaged with the right. people that come on your show, and build your network with them, then you'll find that uh, you will be rewarded quite nicely. Well, that's great. And we'd love to maybe talk a little bit later about different types of ways to leverage it exactly. I know that you mentioned, you know, helping you develop your business as well as potentially monetizing it. Yep. Let's talk first about if, you know, like, let's just say that you're a lawyer and trying to figure out what the best form of, um, of the new media is sure. out there for you. How do you, I know that you said that it's a combination of sort of like diversifying your portfolio, so to speak, yep. but like how, how do you figure out what is the best medium and how do you go about just starting to do it? Sure. Well, you, first you kind of lay out in front of you all of the cards that the new media space represents. New media cards represent things like uh, videos on YouTube, live Facebook uh, recordings, uh, podcasting, social media. And within social media, you might have Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, wherever it is that, you've, that you are comfortable. And, and lay, blogging, um, all uh, email campaigns, you lay out all of these things and you say, okay, which of these do I want to incorporate into my marketing plan for 2000 and uh, second half of 2018? And when you do that, at least now you have, okay, I don't like writing. So I've just eliminated blogging from this. Um, I don't like uh, video. Okay, well, I've just eliminated Facebook Live and, um, and YouTubing as a result of this. You know, I kind of like interviewing people. So, okay, so now podcasting is, is possibly a, an option for you. You know, I don't mind short format social media posting. Okay, well, then maybe Twitter is something. And you, so you look at all of the, the body of this new media space and you say, these are the things that I think that I'd be comfortable in. Or if you don't know anything about any of those at all, you just say, these are the things that I think I would like to do. I think I want to interview people or... I think I would like to write, or I think I like email email marketing, or 
what what kind of what what gets your temperature elevated a little bit? What are the things that you think would be cool? And what are the things that you would say, no way? I spent three years writing a blog and I never really enjoyed it. I mean, every every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. that post had to come out. And mm-hmm. Monday, oftentimes on Monday night around midnight, I would be thinking, oh shoot, I don't know what I'm gonna, I don't know what my post is gonna be about. And I knew that that wasn't the right thing for me. And because of that, my performance in that blog just failed. It was a good blog. I liked it. The content was good, but um, I wasn't excited about it. I, I get excited every Saturday when me and my co-host open up the microphone to record our episodes. I get excited knowing that I have three, four, five interviews every week as a part of my podcast. I get excited that I get to make money from my pajamas running a, <laughs> running a consulting business. That's exciting to me. And if you're an attorney and you dread going into your office every day, or you dread having to deal with clients that have negative attitudes, maybe law, not that law is the wrong thing for you, but maybe consulting other people on how to find what you enjoy doing in the the legal space, maybe that would be an avenue for you to go down. Maybe you like litigation and, and, and like writing about it or like talking about it. I promise you there are people that if you like something, there are a bunch of people that probably like the same thing that you do. Yeah, I think that that's a really good, I mean, you made some really good points. I mean, I think part of it is just making sure like that you do a self-assessment on a regular basis. Am I happy doing what I'm doing beyond just playing in the new media space? It's do I enjoy doing what, I, what I'm doing? And assuming that you like practicing law, you, you're engaged in what you're doing, then the question is how do you leverage the different platforms that are currently out there and, you know, just try to figure out a way that speaks to you the most and gets you jazzed up. I mean, I think that that's a great point because for years I really enjoyed sitting there uh, writing my columns. And I think that for the time that I was doing it, and I still continue to do it with my husband because there is a readership. We do get great feedback from people in the market who say, you know, your your column is the first one I read every time the Chicago lawyer comes out, which is fantastic to hear. And we really appreciate our audience. What's interesting about what you're saying is that, and you've probably done this, Tina, and if you haven't, maybe an area that you, you might want to consider examining is that don't forget the huge amount of crossover between the things that you do. So your blog becomes topics that you talk about on your podcast. The, the comments that are provided on your blog are become, become questions that are now answered on your podcast. The crossover between your, your readership and your podcast should be very, very um, transparent. There should, be, yes. there should be plenty of crossover. And it, it sounds like you probably do that. Yeah. And I have to say that LinkedIn and Twitter and even Facebook have been a great way. And this is something I think our leader, our, our listeners need to think about is it's not just generating the content. It's being very sophisticated and mindful about how you distribute that content. And so yes. What I try to do is make sure that I do it across all the social media platforms that I'm currently working with, which are the three that I just mentioned. I'm starting to dabble with Instagram. Um, I, I can't say that it really speaks to me as much as like LinkedIn does, for example. But I think if you talk to most lawyers, they'll say that LinkedIn is their preferred uh, social media platform, particularly since it's so easy to use. Oh, yeah. And you don't even need to create your own. You don't even have to have your own blog page. If you want to use, I, I, don't, I don't think that you, you should. I think you should make your own blog page on your website. But if you ha- don't have a, your own website built, you can use their LinkedIn, their posting method to post messages directly or post um, 
articles directly onto LinkedIn, develop a following that way. I think that that's a pretty cool way to do it too. Just remember, as soon as LinkedIn changes their algorithm, if they ever do, and if Facebook ever does, or if Twitter ever does, you've lost complete power of everything that you have on there. So just make sure you, you kind of protect yourself that way. Well, and I think that that's good. I think that that's good advice. And, you know, I guess one, one other question I have for you, just based on the stuff we've talked about is, so how do you know when you're getting traction? You know, I think especially in this new media age where you can just sit at home from your computer or from your phone and, you know, generate content in as, you know, in, in the easiest way that we've ever witnessed in terms of, you know, either doing Facebook Live or in terms of sitting there and typing something onto somebody else's blog and then distributing it by social media. How do you know when what you are doing is resonating with people and maybe it's something that you should look into pursuing a little bit more, whether it's a particular type of content or whether it's your, your point of view on certain issues. How do you know when you're getting traction? Well, I guess I would say, uh, let me take the opposite of that. How would you not know? Because, it, <laughs> because the analytics are so readily available to you, whether it's through um, uh, AppSumo, which is an app that you can put, a sharing mechanism that you can put on your, uh, directly on your website to help you share the posts that you have, whether it's uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook analytics, uh, Google analytics, uh, if you have a podcast and your host is Libsyn or podcast websites or whoever you're podcasting through, they have download count. So those are the numbers. But you can't go to Wells Fargo and cash a download. And you can't go to uh, BB&T and, um, and, uh, and cash a share. But you do know if it's working when you start to engage and you're getting responses back from your, your listenership or, your, or your, uh, your followers. Once you start to engage and you get engagement back, that is a true level of success in my opinion. You know, it's very challenging to, to, to determine the ROI of a download. As Gary Vee would say, it's just like determining the ROI of your mother. You know, you can't, but you can, <laughs> it's, it's really hard, you know, right? So it's, it, but it is easy to determine the ROI of an investment that you make and putting it into podcast production. And you say, well, I'm spending $600 a month on podcast production or $1,000 a month on podcast production. But as a result of it, I was able to close these five or these six contracts. And so what I would tell people is set up a goal before you get started. What do you hope to accomplish with your podcast, your blog, your social media marketing, your email campaign? What is it other than just shares, likes, follows, downloads? Because those aren't worth anything. What do you hope to accomplish from this new media space? That's kind of what we do. We help you strategize about what are the important things that you're looking to do. It may not be dollars that are associated with it. It may just be, I want to get to 50 episodes. I just want to have a season of 50 episodes. Once I get to 50, we'll make some decisions at the end of 50 episodes. So it may not be a dollar sign. It may just be a feeling of accomplishment to say, I've gotten to this position or I've gotten to this many, uh, this many downloads. And maybe that's not a dollar sign, but it equals personal accomplishment, a mission accomplished. And when you're able to do that, it makes you feel better about yourself, makes you have a better attitude. And a lot of times that's all you need to keep yourself going in business. I agree with you. And I think that some of it is profile building, you know, which I think is, is, is part of it as well, especially for Definitely. lawyers Definitely. is, you know, are, are you known as a leader in the market with respect to some type of thought leadership, whatever it may be because if you've got folks who are trying to decide who am I sending an RFP to, or you know who who in your in your network through LinkedIn, for example, knows knows me and knows you so that I can get an introduction. I, I think that there is quite a bit of, of of that sort of thing that happens as well, which ends up 
turning into a monetization of the investment, but it's a little bit more attenuated. Yep, I agree. I agree. So you just have to have a goal in mind when you start. And the best way to do that is to strategize before you even get started. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that you can't you can't start these things without goals. But the, the issue with that is then you're just a kind of like a wandering target. I was the worst goal setter ever. The worst goal setter ever. And every time <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe. Well, it's true. I mean, the reality of it is it's true. I mean, I was a guy that used to, I'm looking back at my 2018 goals that I wrote in 2017 and my 2016 goals that I wrote in 2000 or 2017 goals I wrote down in 2017. And I'm looking at the things that were on that sheet. I am so far off the mark, but I look at the relate, not from a positive or negative perspective, but just in the direction that I was thinking my business was going to go. You know, I was going to be this professional speaker that was going to have 75 speaking dates a year and make over a million bucks a year doing professional speaking. And I started doing 20, 30 of them every year for a handful of years. And I'm like, I don't think I want to do this. I mean, I don't want to do this. Because well, it's tough. It's I mean, tough it's, it's because it's intense. travel and it's really, it's not good for your family life. It's not good for anything. And I, that we start, the podcast started to take over from a monetization perspective over I was making more podcasting from my home than I was going out on the road for 20 or 30 dates a year. And I'm like, shoot, I don't want to do this. I would rather podcast. So that was literally a 90 day, 180 degree turn. Wow. Where I thought I was going to be as opposed to where I'm, I'm actually going. Now, somebody could look at that and say, well, geez, well, you, you failed at reaching your goal. And I look at it and say, well, I found, I discovered something that was even better than that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's serendipity and life that happens in between. And so I think that if you, I, I love that story because I think what the lesson learned from that is that you can set goals and they're important to set, but you also have to be pretty self-aware yep. and no opportunity when it crosses your path. Yep. And sometimes it doesn't look exactly like what you envisioned, particularly when you were goal setting, but to just sort of be in touch with yourself and sort of know, I mean, at the end of the day, the podcasting, you're gifted at it. You love it. Your passion shows through doing it. And that's why you're doing as well as you're doing with it. And I love it. And I totally love it. And I think that's probably why my DJ business and my social, my entertainment business was as successful as it, as it has been because I've loved it. I've embraced it. I, I treat it like, I mean, it is my own, but I treat it like it is the most important thing in the world to me professionally. And it totally is. And when this podcasting space opened up for me and I saw this opportunity, not knowing anything about podcasting, Strick and I, we just figured it out from, from the ground up. We could have you know, we could have hired somebody to do it, but I was like, no, I don't think it's, you know, it might not work. <laughs> so, so why put any money into it? And I'm like, we just figured it out from the ground up and it has been crazy. We've cr connected this, you know, collected all of this knowledge and information. We've become influencers in the, in the, in the uh, podcasting space. We, we have people that ask us for help. I mean, the, 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 the crazy thing about it is from nothing to where we are today was only a few years. And now we have people all over the world that are asking for our help in doing the same thing that we have just done. And that's the greatest feeling of all. It's like, shoot, you've accomplished a lot in this podcasting world and, and we want your help. When people say that to us, I'm like, is this real? It's such a gift. It, it's so fun. It's so fun. It's like, you know, it's kind of like you, somebody coming to you and saying, could you help me understand a little bit more about intellectual property? And you're like, yeah, okay. How many, how many weeks of time do you have? Because I could tell you everything I know. Yeah, that's really cool. So we're out of time for this segment of our of our interview. And obviously, we're going to be picking this up again in our next episode. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation so far. Do you have any additional tips or final thoughts 
you would like to share with our listeners before we sign off and where can our listeners find you? Yeah, that would be great. If uh, any more information you want from us, just uh, go to turnkeypodcast.com. That'll be all the information about how to uh, start your own podcast or maybe just get information about being a guest on other people's podcasts as well. And if you want to be a guest on our podcast, if you have some uh, business experience that you think would be good on the Nice Guys on Business podcast, I must forewarn you, it's a little bit explicit in our content. So feel free to come on our show. But be <laughs> It's ready. rated X. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> be ready to have a real, honest, open conversation. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again. Are we going to do another segment? I'm hoping we are. Do we get to? Of course we are. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. The time's going way too fast. So yeah, we're going to do another segment. So the next episode, we're, we're, we're going to still yes. chat. I love this. I love it. So uh, yeah, thank you for having me here on the show. And uh, yeah, my final words of wisdom would be this. Just get started. No matter what you do, whether it's podcasting, blogging, social media, YouTubing, Facebook, living, whatever it is in this new media space, just lay them out in front of you, pick a couple of them and get moving. That's my advice. Awesome. Well, thanks, Doug. I'm looking forward to our next episode. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. I hope that you've enjoyed laying the groundwork about new media for lawyers. In our next episode, we will continue our conversation with Doug on what every lawyer needs to know about the new media space. We hope that you will join us. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.